This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18plusbegambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport. Hello and welcome to the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, the assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis, and TalkSport's football correspondent, Alex Crook, as Conte chastises Spurs for stingy spending. When, when you lose two, two games in a, in a row in a, your stadium, some question has to, to do, no? And uh, some question. And, you know, we have to try to, to continue to, to work and uh, to improve in many aspects on the pitch and uh, to live... Uh, much better with the, with the pressure there is around the, around the Tottenham. And uh, yeah, to try to improve, this is the only way. They take on Manchester City this weekend, live on TalkSport as part of the thrilling game day. Uh, forget Ronaldo versus Messi. We'll argue about Salah versus Mbappe being the best player on the planet. We'll analyse all the games for this weekend. And Wolves' top four hopes, are they really contenders for the Champions League? Find out on the game day podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. And a big hello to Darren Lewis from The Mirror. You all right? I'm very well indeed. It's an early morning for us, but uh, you look like you're uh, skulking in the shadows there today. (laughs) Um, And Alex Crook is here. Hello. Hello, you okay? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, have, you have you had a good week? I mean, Manchester United obviously played in midweek this week, so did you have a, a midweek meltdown or are you in a, a good place? I pretty much ignored that game, to be honest. It clashed with my uh, pub pool night, so I focused on that, watched so, the Champions sorry, your League. your pub watched, what night? My pub pool night. What, what, you were playing a pool league or something, do you? I was, yeah, and I picked up a victory as well, much needed. Did um, you ever see any much- of your 18 kids? <laughs> Much like Manchester United, I've been out of form actually. So uh, it was nice that we both got back to winning ways on Tuesday night. Yes, uh, from East London, uh, pub. I thought you said pub pull night. Yeah, something very did. different. <laughs> yeah, I had different visions there. Um, uh, he had to make a couple of good saves though, David De Gea, and Eves Basuma missed a cracking chance in that match. So uh, I think that uh, probably just highlights where they are at the moment. Brighton again missing chances. Yeah, listen, I think Brighton are a wonderful side to watch, but they can frustrate simply because they don't take their chances. And I've said many times, you know, in the summer transfer window, I think they have to prioritise a prolific striker. If they can do that, I think that kind of game in midweek, they'll take the three points from. Game day back in all its glory. He squares it to Ben Rama and it's a goal! West Ham have scored two goals in two minutes! John Joe Shelby gives Newcastle hope of salvation! Saka in the centre, Saka with a shot! Saka with the goal! It's in! It's in! Brentford have got themselves an equaliser! Live and exclusive national radio commentary from the biggest belter of the weekend. And it's right here on Talk Sport. Foden crosses into the penalty area. The header at the far post by Ruben Diaz, and it's turned in by Sterling. And Manchester City lead by three goals to nil. It was just so simple. Bergwijn round the goalkeeper. Bergwijn to win it. He has done. That is absolutely extraordinary. Manchester City against Tottenham is live on Talk Sport this weekend, 5.30. And, um, well, as interviews go to spice up a huge game, there is none more explosive 
than Antonio Conte's uh, interview that he's done in the build-up to this game. After being unbeaten in his first nine league games, they've lost the last three. He isn't happy with the recruitment process in January, where they let four go and bought just two players in, two younger players that the club could still develop and sell. And that, he says, is the issue, Darren. The fact that... um, This is the vision and the philosophy of the club. If you want to grow quicker, he said, you need players with experience. He also gave the club 1% chance of reaching the the top four. What did you make of the timing of the interview? I think he was absolutely right. If there's anybody who can do it, it's him. I've said many times he's won more on his own than Spurs have in the last 30 years. So he's uniquely qualified to be able to make the kind of demands of the club that he is right now. And basically what he's saying to the hierarchy at Spurs is, it's time for you to decide what kind of club you want to be. But you can't have it both ways. If you're going to bring in young players to develop and sell on, then you can't aspire to be in the top four. And that's been the brief for the managers that they've brought in. But it's unworkable. The two are incompatible because if you look around the teams that are actually in and around the top four, in the top four and doing best of the teams wanting to be in the top four, those teams have a mix of experience and younger players and Spurs don't have enough. And that's why they're failing at the moment. I thought the timing was odd uh, because I spoke to Antonio Conte a couple of times in the January transfer window and his view publicly was that it's difficult to sign players in January. Now, this seems to go uh, away from that. And I thought it was interesting that he highlighted the fact that they got rid of more players and they brought in and said that weakened the squad because, again, as I understood it, and Darren probably is, is slightly closer to the Tottenham situation than me, the reason they got rid of those players was because they felt they were bad eggs in the dressing room. So presumably they're not the type of players that Antonio Conte would want around for a top four tilt anyway. It, it, it does, to me, sound like this could be the, the first part, the first phase of Antonio Conte almost setting an exit strategy, depending on what happens in the summer transfer window. It's really laying down the gauntlet now uh, to Paratici and Daniel Levy ahead of what is a huge summer for Tottenham. Yeah, and uh, it's worth just outlining the the structure of the club again. Paratici or Paritici, uh, who uh, was at Juventus beforehand, is the sporting director. He's now got overall control of the recruitment process because uh, of Steve Hitchin moving on during the uh, January transfer window. And, and Darren, those two have worked together before, haven't they? So it's, I mean, I think the whole thing about bringing uh, Perisici into the club was about extracting um, uh, Antonio Conte from his sort of brief hiatus as a football manager, mm-hmm. bringing him back uh, towards uh, Premier League once again. So you would expect that they have a similar understanding as to how things need to go in the future. But maybe Paratici has already spent too much time with Daniel Levy and he's already been pinching. <laughs> Possibly. I mean, he is caught in the middle. First of all, your, your, your pronunciation was correct. I was speaking to someone at Spurs last weekend who was saying to me, it's Paratici yeah, rather than Paratici, which yeah. is what I thought it was. Um, but I think you're right about that position he finds himself in, because obviously he's an ally to Conti, but he spent a lot of time with Levy. So he's a little bit in the middle. But as I said before, I think as far as Conti is concerned, it would be a PR disaster for Spurs to lose a world-class manager and he is he is right now at the top of his game if he goes to a club where he gets the backing he competes at the very least for the league his track record says that he demands respect and he gets it because of his work i think with spurs they don't have the finance to be able to provide him with what he wants. Just to clear up what Crook was saying about those players that had gone, they were not performing for their club. Deli, Eli, Tongi and Dumbele, who's actually done okay back at Leon. He was man of the match the other day. Remarkably. <laughs> Remarkably, exactly. But I think as far as Spurs are concerned, should the club worry, should he worry or the club worry? Well, the club would have more to worry about if he were to leave than him because he will go and get another yeah. top club. But Spurs cannot sell themselves as being an ambitious club if they were to lose the best manager potentially. That Well, no, not potentially. In fact, that they have ever had in the Premier League. Yeah, and Alex, obviously one of the big stories this season has been about Harry Kane and it sort of comes to a head again uh, this weekend because Kane is taking on the Manchester City side that he hoped that he would be in by now. 
Yeah, and Darren's uh, newspaper colleague, Jason Burt, wrote an interesting piece this week suggesting that if Maurizio Pochettino does pitch up at Old Trafford, as you know, I hope he does, uh, then Harry Kane would very much be his top target. And I do think if you're looking for a a character and a a leader, that is the type of signing that, that Manchester United need. And I think it would be a test of Tottenham's resolve this summer if Pochettino and United come calling, particularly if Tottenham don't reach the top four themselves because they'll have to make the judgment call do we take big money for Harry Kane? I think it will be less than what Manchester City were willing to pay last summer and give Antonio Conte the funds to rebuild this Tottenham squad. I think that's what they need. Um, Manchester City displayed their devastating attack in midweek without a, a centre-forward, slicing sporting to shreds, Darren. Uh, but Pep wasn't entirely happy. Um, admittedly, I think maybe it was due to the fact that they gave up too many chances to sporting during the course of that first half in, in particular. Um, but... Ultimately, they were fantastic going forward. Does the defensive sort of openness give them any sort of hope, Spurs, in this game? No, Spurs, honestly, that Spurs could shoot themselves in the foot making a cup of coffee, honestly. It's <laughs> defensively, they are With so, a potato so gun. poor. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they'd probably spill the hot water on their toes while instead of pouring <laughs> it into the cup. And I don't say that necessarily to be disrespectful. I just think that as far as Spurs are concerned, I was at the game last week, I was covering it in my match report, I was saying, you know, Conte does all the things right, he talks them up, he talks about giving them confidence, he works on the training ground, he drills them, and then Hugo Lloris goes and gives the ball away for two goals, punches when he should catch, um, and his distribution so poor, Davis gives it to the uh, Wolves uh, front line and they turn it over and score. What can you do about that? And that's what I mean when Conti says, I want to go out there and get winners, leaders, people who know how to cope with tough situations. I think City will win this. They're in superb form. I don't pay any attention to Guardiola's criticisms. He said after the Norwich easy win, we suffered. No, you didn't. It was easy and you were fine. <laughs> and he's been he's been building up this narrative, oh, we weren't very good. Yeah, you were. You were brilliant. Come on. It's like the person that you went to school with who always came out and said, I think I've really struggled and like they're, they're a mate. <laughs> they're the best, Ace most dog. intelligent person in the class and you know they aced it. Yeah. One quick thing, Julian Alvarez, reigning South American player of the year, scored a hat trick against, uh, Patro- I think it's Patronus. Okay, uh, a River Plate, yeah, in Argentina, um, is that right? For River Plate, he scored those goals, yeah. He looks a super player and I just wonder if his recruitment, they love to bring in players from uh, outside the box while everyone else is rummaging around for the same players. I think he could that could make sure they don't get involved in the bun fight and the exorbitant uh, finance around Erling Haaland and a couple of the other strikers floating around in the summer. Yeah, Pep does like to throw you off the scent, doesn't he? Let's be completely honest about it. I mean, no one suffered in Norwich since Alan Partridge didn't get a second series. Uh, let's move on to West Ham <laughs> against Newcastle, 12.30 on Talk Sport. West Ham won their Europa League group, which means they don't play any extra continental football until March. And that's good news, Crook, because it allows everyone to have a bit of a refresh and a breather. It is good news because the squad is stretched. They didn't strengthen in January as much as certainly their supporters were hoping. But I think we have to cut them a bit of slack here. I was hearing earlier this week that they were in the market for Luis Diaz, of course, who ended up going to Liverpool. That's the the measure of West Ham's ambitions now. Actually, I said on transfer deadline day with Jim White, David Moyes was offered funds in January to strengthen the squad. There was no issue in terms of cash available, but he didn't want to sign players just for its own sake. He wanted to sign players who would be a genuine upgrade on what they've already got. Because so, we have given them credit, uh, sorry, we have given them criticism for the fact that they didn't sign anyone in January and knock the squad on. So maybe we should probably appreciate the fact that his ambitions were set at a different level to maybe they had been previously. And that's why they haven't managed to improve the squad because he's looking for a particular type of calibre of player now. And that information has only just come to light. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I think it's going to be a really interesting end to the season for West Ham because again, if they can, if if they can somehow force their way into top four, and I think Darren and I both believe that's unlikely now uh, because of the lack of options coming off the bench, then they'll be in the market for that type of headline maker again in the summer. If they don't finish in the top four, then David Moyes might have to check out his ambitions once again. But what I think we should say is the fact that it's the middle of February and we're still talking about West Ham as possible Champions League contenders. That is a measure of how far they've come under David Moyes. And I don't think it should be underestimated. They did get a cheeky draw on uh, Sunday with a goal. I still don't understand how it stood, but hey, 
What do we know about the T-shirt line? Bearing in mind that even IFAB said that the diagram that they did in their rule book this year is wrong. Um, but even with no Trippier in the team because of injury, there's no guarantee that West Ham will get a victory, Darren, in this game. No, there isn't. Um, they're struggling for goals. Jared Bowen is the guy who's keeping them in the mix and their ability to score from set pieces as well. One of the most prolific teams in the Premier League from set pieces. Mikel Antonio, I wonder if he could do with a little bit of a rest, not because of, you know, listen, we all know how important he is to the team. And I just wonder if they want to freshen him up for the crucial final stretch, if you like, by resting him. Two goals in the past four months in the Premier League and they need more from him. He does do so well to hold the ball up, but he does need some cutting edge. Moyes needs some cutting edge. And if they fail... Moises Gamble to hold on until the summer could come back to bite him because I don't think they'll ever get a better chance of breaking into the top four. And Newcastle have tightened up their defence crook. They started to look a little bit more clinical up top. They held on for a victory last weekend. Any chance you think they might get one this weekend? I can see them getting a point and continuing their good run of form. And I think at the moment, if you're Eddie Howe, uh, any point at the moment is another step closer towards survival. I think obviously we've had the news in the last 48 hours that Kieran Trippier uh, will be out for a period of time with that broken foot. That's a big blow for Newcastle, not so just in terms of... the dreaded metatarsal return, isn't it? It's the fifth metatarsal that has uh, been damaged. Yeah, which I think is the smallest one. Um, so that might mean that he's back a little bit I quicker. I imagine they're all quite small in Kieran Trippier's feet, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, he has got tiny shoes, hasn't he? Um, but I think it's a blow in terms of on the pitch, in terms of what he's brought to the defence, and of course his set pieces as well. But it's a blow in the dressing room as well, because I know he's already emerged as a big character, a real leader, uh, probably a future club captain. Well, he was so the I captain of the weekend, wasn't he? He was yeah. the captain. Yeah, so I think that is a significant setback for Newcastle. But I still think they'll be fine in terms of staying up. Uh, West Ham have won just one of their last five matches and have only kept one clean sheet in that run, Darren. Uh, you know about me, clean sheets in West Ham. Every time I sell, they'll keep one. They don't, so I won't make any predictions around that. I do, however, think that the game being at the London Stadium tilts it in their favour. If it were at St. James's Park with that crowd behind them, I think maybe Newcastle would extend their three-match winning run. But I'm going to go with West Ham for this one. Arsenal um, against Brentford is also this weekend, Saturday, 3 o'clock on Talk Sport, and they have a chance to build a bit more momentum when Brentford visit the Emirates. But is this likely to be a bit of a stodgy game, bearing in mind that Arsenal ground out the win over Wolves and Brentford's last match was a pretty uninspiring draw with Crystal Palace Group? Yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be a goal fest, but I do think Arsenal will feel they have a point to prove after being bullied uh, at the Brentford Community Stadium on the first day of the campaign. I think this will be an opportunity for them to prove how far they've come as a team. And if we're talking about the top four, at the moment, I'm leaning towards Arsenal. And I'll tell you why I'm leaning towards Arsenal. It's that word character and that word personality. And I think when it comes to character and personality, they have the edge uh, over the likes of Manchester United and Tottenham. We talked about West Ham's deficiencies in, in terms of squad depth because there's no problem with character there. I think this is a great opportunity for Arsenal to get into the top four. And if you just said that when they lost at Brentford on the opening day of the season or when they were in the bottom three, three games into the campaign, you'd have thought I was mad. It's a great chance for anyone who fancies it to get into the top four because it, seemingly no one wants... To, to, to get into it. You know, I would worry a little bit about Arsenal's attacking thrust uh, because I, they've scored once in all competitions since the turn of the year. But are they favourites to make it into the top four, Darren? Basically because that out of all of the teams competing to get into the top four, they are the team that is less out of form than everybody else. Uh, I'm not sure I'm convinced by that, Sam, because I think they've only won one of their last six matches and that was the last one. Uh, and their goal didn't come from a striker. It was very scruffy. Uh, I think they were very fortunate in, in that match too. Yes, they've got games in hand, but they're very unconvincing. You don't know which Arsenal's going to turn up from one week to the next. You could say likewise about Manchester United, but at least they've got firepower up front. They've got quality um, in goal and at times at the back. <laughs> but they do. They have played three games more than Arsenal. And Arsenal, they do have that personality, that charisma, but they don't have enough goals. I like Wolves, I've got to say. I think Wolves have got a really good defensive line. I, I really do. I know it seems weird to say it. I know, I know, I know, absolutely. But they've got games in hand. I listened to Bruno Lager, Lager talk uh, 
the other day after the Spurs game in his press conference. He really impressed. He wouldn't talk about the top four, not interested. We've got to focus on Leicester. We've got to focus on being better. We've got to be frustrated that we're not higher up the table given the areas where we lost points against Norwich and Arsenal. But he still clearly believes that that top four slot is there for the taking. Maybe he does, but ultimately, you know, if we're being realistic about it, a great season for Wolves would be getting into the Europa League and they should be championing that. I mean, I don't think, looking at the the, the, the figures, you know, the games in hand, etc., that it's going to be possible for them to get into the top four, but we'll see. We'll talk about that a little bit later on when we talk about Wolves against Leicester. Um, as far as this game is concerned, Arsenal-Brentford, there's no Martinelli, he's suspended. Takahiro Tamiyasu uh, should be edging closer to a return crook. And Arsenal, apart from that, have a full squad. Not a very big squad, but a full squad. And a rather rested squad as well, bearing in mind that they have played one game in 26 days. Well, that's the other advantage they have. It's the first time in 26 years they've not been competing in Europe. That means, well, their rivals, the likes of uh, Manchester United, have this really difficult two-legged tie against Atletico Madrid on the horizon. They can sit at home uh, with their feet up. So I think that does give them the edge. I know Arsenal fans are are excited about having Tommy Asu back in the team. Defensively, they've been fairly solid anyway. I share your concerns about where the goals are coming from um, but I think that defensive stability does give them a platform and listen I agree with Darren I think you have to have Wolverhampton Wanderers in the mix but you know that anyway because you shot me down a week ago when I suggested it I did I did I did because I thought it was nonsense (laughs) then I think it's nonsense now Uh, Arsenal have won five of their last seven home games uh, to nil Um, I reckon this one will probably be the same I I, I hear they're going to spruce up the Emirates as well uh, at the end of the season give it a bit of a facelift it is 16 years Old now, isn't it? Okay, all right, let's move on. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Leeds against Manchester United is two o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Leeds have waited 20 years for this fixture to return to Ellen Road in front of fans, but this might not be one to look forward to, actually. Manchester United got back on track with a win over Brighton. They weren't particularly fluent, and Brighton had, as we've already mentioned, a couple of good chances. And they benefited Manchester United from an iffy decision to send off uh, Lewis Dunk. Uh, But this should be a little easier, bearing in mind that Leeds have conceded three goals in each of their last three games. And the gap between the two on the opening day, Crook, was a chasm. I'm commentating this game for TalkSport International. Really looking forward to it for the reasons that you've said. A packed house at Ellen Road. This is a unique atmosphere when it comes to the hatred uh, that leads direct towards Manchester United. I hope that doesn't spiral. I hope it's uh, it's, uh, played in a hostile atmosphere, but one that doesn't tread over that line as we've seen up and down the country uh, since the turn of the year. But I think this is a good game for Manchester United. I remember the... uh, the reverse meeting at Old Trafford. Leeds really played into United's hands. They were so open that day. They just gifted them chance after chance. And I think it could be a similar story because I don't think this Leeds team uh, under Marcelo Bielsa have the ability to shut up shop and, and frustrate Manchester United. 
I expect a United win. I haven't said that too often this season, so they'll probably get beat. Uh, Leeds six points above the relegation zone, struggling with so many tough fixtures to come. After this, Liverpool away, Tottenham at home, then Leicester before they take on Norwich in what could be a pivotal fixture, Darren. Should Leeds fans be a little bit nervous? Um, no, I don't think so. I think the bottom three might now be the bottom three. I, I think Newcastle have given their fans cause for optimism and I can't really see too many areas where the bottom three are going to pick up points. I, I'm not so sure about this result, you know, Sam. Man United, you just cannot tell which side will turn up from one game to the no, next. You can't like trust say. them, can you? You can't trust you them. You can't. You can't trust them. You simply can't trust them. And although on paper they've got a better side, they've got more goals, I think Leeds could get something from this. I don't think they'll shut up shop at all. There have been so many oh, no. occasions where I've felt, just like you, Crook, that they would do that and they've come out, they've expressed themselves and they play that open and expansive game that has us neutrals tearing our hair out because it looks like footballing suicide. But they do manage to get results. I think they'll get something from this, maybe a draw. Yeah, but they lose games as well, don't they? They lost to Newcastle recently and to Everton. And those are the games, actually, the ones that are directly around you that you cannot afford to lose if you want to keep trouble from your door. Rafinha subbed oddly last week. Seemed a strange decision. I mean, Bielsa, I mean, the Leeds fans will say, well, he knows what he's doing. I mean, it was a very odd decision to make, I think. Uh, Rodrigo hit the bar twice in the game against Everton. They do have threats. Can they cause United problems? Do they have enough of a threat to cause United problems? I think if we put a team out against United and we were leading the line up front, the three of us, then we would cause United problems all the time. At Harry Maguire is still wearing the captain's armband. Oh, so, yeah, go. absolutely. Here we go. Abs- absolutely, they have... Uh, if they came into a pub that I was in, I'd just walk straight out. <laughs> Adrian Durham liked that line, by did the he? way. He liked that uh, he, he did. Um, so, yes, going forward... The truth I think is you probably... would never walk out of a pub, though, not without a pint in your hand. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say I wouldn't go to the bar first and then walk out. Um, I think going forward, they can exploit the Manchester United defence, but I think if it, if it becomes a shootout like it was at Old Trafford, I think United have enough uh, attacking weapons that are own to win the game. And it, listen, they have to win. Um, Rio Ferdinand uh, has been talking a bit about the recent recruitment of players at Manchester United, Darren. And he was sort of saying, you know, the lack of due diligence being done on the personality types of those people coming into Manchester United to ensure that they, you know, get the blend right in the dressing room has been poor recently. And that is something that they're going to need to address. It may be something that they've started to address. I know that that was something that they wanted to talk about this time last year or even before that when they were recruiting a new structure to go above the manager. But ultimately, it's not at the same level of the likes of Liverpool, Manchester City, where the recruitment departments are absolutely key to what they do and have been doing over the last two or three years. And it's no surprise that those two teams are the most successful in the country because of the way that they recruit their staff. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think as far as United's concerned, not just in terms of the playing personnel, but the managers as well, they make poor decisions. I mean, to be fair, with the playing contingent, I still do think they're all good players. But what they don't do is empower the managers to take the decisions they should. Ronaldo, if you look at him, he looks like a player who's a 70-minute player. So you have him on the bench and you bring him on for the last 20 minutes of games, but you start with a young, energetic side who can press, who can do everything as a unit. But because of the expenditure, it strikes me around Ronaldo. He is starting every game, and that's not good for the club. And you need to empower the manager to take that kind of decision. But you imagine... The consideration is we are paying so much money for him. He's got to start. And also commercially, he's got to start. And they prioritise money over football. That's why they are where they are. I agree that as a football club, they do prioritise money over actually having success on the pitch. However, if you're going to take Ronaldo out of the team, you need a viable alternative. Obviously, Anthony Martial has been sent out on loan. Marcus Rashford is in no form at all. Mason Greenwood unavailable at this moment in time. And then you've got the Edinson Cavani situation when it, it seems to me, speaking to people around the club, that he literally decides on a whim which games he wants to play and which ones he doesn't. So if you take Ronaldo out of the team, who do you play up front? Well, I, I, listen, I think the reason why um, Rashford's form is is fair, it's quite staccato, it's precisely because he doesn't know if he's going to be playing in one game from one game to the next. Oh, he and makes bad he, decisions on the ball, Darren. I mean, over the course of the last year, he's been making poor decisions when he's on the ball. 
Well, he has, but that's I think that's down to a lack of confidence. Uh, and as I say, if you give him a run of games, I mean, you do have players. They're not all as celebrated as Ronaldo. But if you look at some of the teams that are doing well, you don't have to be an A-lister to be able to put together a, a, a good run of form and to get the results and that's to true. put in a shift. But I think any constellation of players up front gives you more energy than the what, Ronaldo waiting for the ball or to be slipped into him in the right position to score the goal to grab the headlines. I think they have to have a more energetic way of playing as a team if they're going to get a consistent run of results. Um, how did Super Jaden play on uh, Tuesday night? Did anyone see? I only saw the highlights of the game because I was doing sporting against Manchester City. But uh, I think, I think Jaden Sancho, fantastic over the last three or four games now. Yeah, he played well again. Uh, again, Adrian, who was uh, hosting the programme from Old Trafford, put a tweet out waxing lyrical about him. The penny uh, does seem to have dropped there. But again, he is benefiting now from the fact that he knows week in, week out, he is going to be starting matches. That wasn't the case uh, earlier in the season. And I think he is now starting to repay that investment. And if he can have a big uh, end to the campaign, then that will give United every chance of getting into the top four. Wolverhampton Wanderers take on Leicester at 4.30 on Sunday. A few rumours this week, and we tried to stand them up earlier on Monday about the uh, situation surrounding Brendan Rodgers. We couldn't get a definite position on that, although he's been talking about it in the last uh, 24 hours. Would it be fair to remove Brendan Rodgers from his position or would that seem a little bit knee-jerk, do we think? What was the overall feeling? Darren, do you want to start? Uh, I think it would be unfair. I mean, it is a results-based business. I get that. But if you can see what he's doing behind the scenes, then it would be crazy to throw overboard a guy who's delivered silverware for the club just because he's on a five-match winless run. I think he's shown enough to the club and for the club for them to show a bit of loyalty towards him. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But what about you, Crook? Are you thinking that maybe it's time for a change there? Possibly. I mentioned on the podcast at the weekend that that sometimes when a manager has has been at a club for a period of time... What, 10 minutes or something? Well, 10 minutes is a long time these days, but uh, maybe players can get bored of the same voice. (laughs) I I think he's been very unlucky when it comes to injury. We know that, and I'll keep harping back to it. That Fafana injury courtesy of a shocking challenge in a pre-season friendly really was the start of Leicester unravelling having said that they still should have had enough quality to get out of their Europa League group stage they didn't do that their FA Cup defence was pitiful and a lot of fans now are turning on Brendan Rodgers in terms of his in-game management in terms of the, the changes that he makes bringing on Yannick Vestergaard wasn't a popular decision you can understand the logic because he's six foot ten um, and should be able to head the ball away but actually he's not great in the air and they never can see been from any another exactly never, and they never. can sit can see from another set piece but just on these rumors i did speak to a, a few people earlier in the week when it did start to surface that maybe he was under pressure that was suggested in some quarters that actually was going to go this week obviously that hasn't happened i was told by one source that this game against wolverhampton wanderers at the weekend could be crucial to deciding brendan rogers future at the club and it's certainly not an easy fixture to pick up three points in. No, and obviously the Europa Conference League is in action as well. And uh, he was saying, actually, in the build-up to that fixture, that if it did happen and he was relieved of his duties, then he will know that he has done the best that he can do with the resources that are available to him. And he will move on. He's another one that will move on to another job, isn't he? Uh, Wolves benefited from everyone else dropping points uh, last weekend as they searched for a European place. Um, Lewis, I was going to ask you at this stage where you are on your bold claim of a Champions League place for the Molyneux men. Uh, Six points behind Manchester United with two in hand. But Arsenal are four behind Manchester United with three games in hand. And if Spurs win their game in hand, they have more points than Wolverhampton Wanderers. Are you still convinced that Wolves are going to be in the top four? I was never convinced. Well, you you Um, threw it out there. So you just said it for effect, did you? Uh, partly, but I think they have to be included in the conversation. I think they've been showing a bit of disrespect. How can we more trust people anything he ever says? Aren't talking about them in terms of top four. They're defensively very solid. I think Max Kilman uh, quietly has had a really impressive season at the heart of that defence. That's been an instrumental move to give him more game time by Bruno Large. What nationality the, the, is he? I was going to say English, but are you trying to catch me out here? No, he is. Yeah. Okay, I thought it was a trick question. No, it was just sort was of like good... an entry. What happens when a, a good young central defender plays very well for a consistent number of months and weeks? Well, there are big clubs looking at Max Kilman. I know that for a fact. So it's going to be an interesting summer uh, for him. The, the worry is, and you've already highlighted it, is where the goals come from. I still don't think Raul Jimenez is the same Raul Jimenez before the injury, perhaps 
perhaps that's inevitable and perhaps he never will be. They don't score enough goals from midfield either. When they do, Neves and Matinho, they're absolute screamers, but you can't bank on that. So I think they're outsiders, but I think they deserve to be part of the conversation and I think they'll beat Leicester this weekend. And let's speak to Lucy. Crystal Palace take on the world champions this weekend. All right? You're not so good. You caught me unaware, so I wasn't ready with my mic. Oh, right. Okay. What were you doing? I was actually just finishing the quiz question. <laughs> right. Okay. So well prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Right. Okay. As always. Well, what have you got for us this week then? So this week, we're going to have a look at Saturday's game at Crystal Palace against Chelsea. Who wants to go first? Uh, Darren would like to go first, I think. I'll go first. Yeah, no problem. Darren, what do these players have in common? Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Gary Carehill, and Patrick Van Aanholt. That's good. They have all played for both Palace and Chelsea. That is correct. Could you get an easier one for Darren next week, if that's all right? <sighs> Go on. What else have you got for us? All right, Sam, calm down. <laughs> Sound like you're furiously Googling another question, Luce, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, that, right, the highest transfer fee paid by Crystal Palace to date was back in 2016, but who did they buy? Ben Teke. And how much for an extra point? 27 million. 28. Oh, come on, I've got to have margin of error there. No, you can't have margin of error because you're not being very nice to me today. Good, that. That was a good answer. Right, Crook. Please say so yourself. <laughs> Crook. Chelsea has two club mascots, Stanford the Lion, and who else? That would have been the only one I'd have got, I think. Stanford the Lion. What else do you associate Shall with Chelsea? Shall we pass it over? <laughs> what, to the Chelsea fan? Uh, did a bit of dad dancing there, did you see? No. Think about no, it, Think about it, Crook. Think about it, Crook. Think about it. No, I, I, oh, a Chelsea, is it a Chelsea pensioner? No. No, it, it's, it's not a Chelsea pensioner. It's Stamford and Bridget. Bridget. You answered the question before it was handed to you, Sam. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he gets a point from there. I don't think you get a point for that. Come on, I should be getting two bonus over. points from a 27 million and the Bridget. <laughs> Saturday, 3 o'clock, Liverpool against Norwich. Uh, crushed into submission by Manchester City in the week. There's every chance that Norwich will be swatted aside like a bug on a windshield uh, when they go to Anfield to take on a Liverpool team that in midweek played a high-octane, highly technical, brilliant game with Inter. Although they lost Diogo Jota uh, to injury, an ankle injury, and his ankle was really swollen afterwards, and they're, they're doing scans currently to find out how long he's going to be out for, but I'm sure he's not going to make uh, the weekend, Darren. But it was a brilliant, brilliant match in the San Siro, and I thought the one thing that really stuck in mind is, it, actually, they could have lost the match, really. If, if Inter had had a bit more of a threat, they could have lost the match, but they stuck in Liverpool and dug in when it got tough, and then scored two brilliant goals. Yeah, and uh, I that match told me two things, Sam. One is that everyone talks about that forward line, but defensively, Liverpool know how to find a way to win. That's three clean sheets in their last three matches. And now I think we have to start giving that defence credit because when they've been needed, they've stepped up. And the other thing is the depth up front. When Diaz scored, that's the thing when you asked me about it, that really did strike me. Even though there are those question marks around the contracts of Salah and Mane, they have incredible depth for this second half of the season. And when things weren't going Klopp's way in the second half, he was able to change it and send on quality. And it was one of those players, Firmino, who scored the first goal. And then, of course, Salah scored the second goal. So do I expect Norwich to win? Obviously not. I think Liverpool will carry on at the weekend. And yeah, I, th I think your analogy a second ago, I think they will be squashed big time. Uh, Mo Salah, something else, isn't he? Um, he's the first player to score in a consec eight consecutive Champions League games since Cristiano Ronaldo in 2013-14. Does that show right now he's the best player in the world without doubt, Crook? I think so. Um, and having said he looked a bit jaded at the weekend, having got back from the African Cup of Nations. What, why was... are you shaking your head? Darren's shaking his head furiously. What was it? Did you not see what Kylian Mbappe did the night before against high calibre opposition? Did you not see the quality of the yeah, goal? I did. What you think? Did you not see the you stats you around think, him as well? Do you think that Mbappe, over the course of the season, has been more uh, influential across, you know, bearing in mind Ligue 1 is the 
maybe what the no don't disrespect league no, goals are goals are goals don't disrespect him not the same level as the Premier League, though, is it? Let's be honest. Well, that's, yeah, but the, it, that's not his fault. The fact is that in in a in a match against top opposition, Real Madrid, top of their league, the top players playing, Carlo Ancelotti's got them functioning really well. And in that match, in the dying minutes, other players would have given up. He's gone right the way to the end. Twenty-two goals in thirty-two matches so far this season. Eight in his last eight. Listen, I am not going to talk down Salah at all. I agree with you both. He's one of the best in the world, but he doesn't stand alone because if you had the choice between Mbappe and Salah, whoever you choose, you would not be wrong. I love Mbappe, but I think on form, and you do have to look at the level of opposition, Salah does it week in, week out in a much more difficult league than the French league, so I will, I will disrespect oh, the French Darren, league. I'm sorry, Darren. Darren, Darren, Darren who, who's, yeah. whose goals are, are more uh, appreciated? Ali Dia, who scored loads of goals, but played never played in a European top league, not regularly anyway, or Cristiano Ronaldo's. Wait a minute, hold on. Let me let me put this to you. I'm looking at the teams that I've just called up while we've been talking because I'm allowed to the the goals that the opposition that Mbappe scored his last eight goals against. Bruges in the Champions League, Monaco, Lyon, Brest, uh, Lille, the champions, Rennes and Real Madrid. I think whatever you say about the French league, those teams aren't too shabby. And I say again, it wasn't just the goal against Real Madrid, but the calibre of the goal, the skill level as well. Yes, I agree with you about Salah, but he doesn't stand alone. I think if you've got 100 people in here right now, 50 would probably choose Salah, 50 would choose Real Madrid. The ones that use YouTube together. would choose Mbappe, wouldn't they? Yeah, you because know, he likes all that sort of, you know, social no. media stuff. Whereas Do you Salah, know what I think? Salah's under I the radar. Think if already. Mbappe played in the Premier League and Salah played in Liga, you would say Mbappe. But it's, I, I, it's I our Premier League snobbery. It's our confirmation I I, bias. We love it, so we talk it up. Maybe, maybe. But well, I think also, bearing in mind we've seen a lot of players uh, transition from other leagues in Europe into the Premier League over the course of the last few years and not be able to not be able to glide immediately into form in the league. I think maybe we've shown that the league is at a higher level. And the fact right, that... I think we've seen this week, I think we've seen this week that the, the gap between the Premier League and the rest of the Europe, with the gap between Manchester City and Liverpool... Maybe Chelsea as well, although they've not played yet in their knockout game. But the fact that Man City went to Sporting Lisbon, who never lose at home, and put five past them. The fact that Liverpool went to Inter Milan, one of the top teams in Italy, and came away with a 2 0 win that will probably be enough, even at this stage, to see them into the knockout round. If it isn't an all English final in the Champions League again, I would be very surprised. Hang on a minute. Let me make one quick point before we move on. City going great guns at the top of the league, yeah? Yeah. I think they'll win it up clearly, easily, the Premier League. City going great guns in the Champions League. Yeah, we think they'll win that easily. Didn't Paris Saint-Germain oh. beat City 2-0? They did. I'm not saying season, City yeah. will win the Champions oh, League Oh, I'm easily, not saying, okay. Yeah. But I think it will be an all-English final, and I think City will be one of the finalists. Disrespect PSG. PSG, seven clean sheets in their last nine games. They've got that balance now between defence and attack, and yet people still deride them. I think they come through this tie. I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with against any team from the Premier League. Sorry, and I know that's a big claim, but I think now they've got... <laughs> they're, really? they're getting it right, and you're writing them off. Hold on. It's a farmer's it's not, league. It's not, it's, not, it's not a big claim, is it? They've got Messi, Mbappe, and Neymar, well, and your really big big. claim is, is that Sam, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> One minute you're saying it's a farmer's league, and I that never it's said not that. all that. And, and I all right, that, Crook, Crook is saying that. Crook is saying that. And, and and that it'll be really surprised if it's an all-English final. And then the next he's saying, well, I didn't say this and I didn't... No, you know, no, make it'll it be way. an all-English final. There you go. It will be an all-English final in the Champions okay. League. Okay. okay. Well, we, should, well we, should, we shall find out. Anyway, things will level up next week because Manchester United are playing in the Champions League. So, you know, that will certainly give uh, an, another league an opportunity uh, to get They'll through They'll probably the win. Stage. I doubt it very much. Although, didn't they? Uh, didn't Atletico Madrid lose to the bottom side in the league this week? They did, Levante. I think they did. Um, right, okay. Uh, these two do meet. Uh, we're talking about Lor- Liverpool wins Norwich. They do meet in the FA Cup in the same venue in 10 days' time. Uh, Brighton Burnley is Saturday, 3 o'clock. Brighton should have gone ahead and taken control at Old Trafford. They didn't. At home, they're very, very sturdy. They've lost just one of their six home games. And Burnley, would you believe, have not won a single away game, Darren, all season. Yeah, Burnley are going to be relegated. They don't have enough quality in their team. They've got games in hand, but I think we're just delaying the inevitable and being polite about them. They don't have enough quality up front. I know Vcourse looks a good player and he'll score goals for them for sure, but I just think 
all things considered, their fixture list after this, they've got Spurs and Crystal Palace and Leicester and Chelsea, uh, but also just the lack of depth in the squad. I can't make a case for them staying up. I think we have to accept now that it's it, it, they're going down. I think as far as the opposition is concerned, Brighton are too good, too expansive. They don't score enough goals, but they'll be too good for Burnley. Okay, Burnley have tightened up a little bit at the back, though, uh, Crookie. Um, they got good draws with Arsenal, with Manchester United, with Liverpool only managing to score one against them. Uh, but they are seven points from safety. They've got Tottenham live on TalkSport next Wednesday, Palace away, then Leicester and Chelsea at Turf Moor. They've still got to play Manchester City, but in their fixtures is actually a sprinkling of hope. You just wonder whether or not that that final game against Newcastle might might still be pivotal. I think Newcastle will be comfortably safe by then. I think Burnley will probably be relegated. They just don't score enough goals. They're too reliant on... Cornet to provide that attacking spark and they're not actually as defensively watertight as we've been used to seeing either having said that it's an interesting one for Brighton this weekend without Lewis Dunk uh, due to suspension for what I felt as Wrong. you did was a really harsh red card uh, um, and no Dan Byrne this is the type of fixture where they could have done with Dan Byrne up against Weghorst so presumably Duffy comes in uh, alongside Webster but that does leave them a little bit short uh, of defensive cover having cashed in on Dan Byrne I still think they'll have more than enough to beat Burnley, but I think it'll be low scoring. You could see a 1-0, 2-0 Brighton win. Uh, Aston Villa against Watford is 3 o'clock on Saturday. Aston Villa have conceded 12 goals in the last seven games. So, can Watford actually score this weekend? You can't say yes with any degree of confidence. (laughs) You knew what you were going to get with Roy Hodgson. You you knew that he would tighten up the back line. He's done that. But has that been at the detriment of the attacking players? Obviously, Saar's been injured for a number of weeks now and, and was back late for the African Cup of Nations as well. I still wonder psychologically what effect not being able to go to that tournament has had for Emmanuel Dennis. We, we never really got to the bottom um, of that and maybe we might find out in the fullness of time. Josh King isn't someone that you can rely on to score goals on a consistent basis. I think he needs a, a bit of fire in his belly. It's no coincidence his two best performances this season have come against uh, Everton, who he felt he wasn't really given a fair crack of the whip when he was when he was on loan there and Manchester United he felt a grief snubbed him a couple of transfer windows ago so I think it's difficult for Watford I don't think the Hodgson appointment has had the immediate uplift they would have wanted in terms of results or they maybe performances have improved I think as Darren said a while ago in this podcast that the bottom three will probably be the bottom three and Watford very much one of those I thought it was interesting that Roy Hodgson in his uh, press conferences after the game against uh, at the weekend last weekend I can't even remember who it was it was so long ago now he came out and he said he said well it's not really up to up to us to score the goals we can only give them the framework to do so you know everyone keeps telling me these players are great attacking players but let's be honest they've got to put the ball in the net we can't do that for them we can only give them a framework uh, to create chances which we did in this match so he clearly is frustrated with his strike force as well Darren yeah he is Uh, ironically they scored goals up until um the end of January um even when when they were losing games (laughs) 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 it seems to be a little bit weird um but Look, I still do think if anyone can, he can. But you look at their last 12 games, 10 defeats, two draws. And that tells you everything about their chances. I think heads will drop. I look at Villa. I look at the defeat against Newcastle last week. I look at the fact that Steven Gerrard will demand a reaction. I look at the fact that it's at Villa Park. I can see those fullbacks bombing forward. Coutinho picking holes in a Watford defence that can't concentrate. And I can see Aston Villa coming out on top. And I don't really see, when I look at the fixture list, where they are going to pick up the points that are going to save them. Uh, Josh King, João Pedro, Ashley Fletcher, Ismail Assar, Emmanuel Dennis, uh, Samuel Kalu and Chucho Hernandez. <laughs> it's a bit of a Hodgson's choice. Uh, right, let's uh, move on to the final game. Southampton against uh, Everton, uh, which is another one of those matches which kicks off at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Armando Broja uh, linked with a move to Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund this week, both of whom have shown interest in him after a string of performances, including scoring against Tottenham uh, recently. I mean, he has been very good. He was very good when I saw him on Saturday against Manchester United. 
Yeah, I think it's a problem for Southampton because we know they have a desire to keep him beyond the end of the season. There have been uh, some discussions uh, between the two boards about maybe extending that loan. Chelsea at the moment, uh, understandably, holding off on the decision. I guess they need to decide if actually uh, Brozier could go back to Stamford Bridge and actually play a role for them next season, given the fact that Werner and, and Lukaku are still struggling for goals. But there is a lot of interest now, not just from the Premier League, but from Europe, uh, as you've mentioned. And I think at the moment, Southampton might be a bit unlucky because they've given Broja the, the chance to put himself in the shot window. He certainly grabbed that opportunity with both hands. And when you start talking about clubs like Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich showing interest, that is a, a difficult one for him to turn down. To stay at Southampton, even though I understand he's very happy there, he enjoys playing under Ralph Hasenhutl, he likes the environment, but I think he will want to test himself at the highest level. I know from speaking to him, he's very ambitious to go and do that. Okay, uh, thank you very much uh, to both of you. Appreciate your time this morning. Um, have you got any major plans today, Crookie? You're playing golf again in the wind like you were yesterday? Uh, well, we're recording this on Thursday night. I've got uh, Borussia Dortmund against Rangers um, on Talk Sport 2 Thursday evening, so that'll be good. And I've got a, I've got, a, I've got lunch at the Ivy in Cobham uh, en route, so I'm looking forward to that. What? <laughs> You're clearly not paying. <laughs> you're not are you you're definitely not paying are you someone's taking you out there's no doubt about it. is that true that is true yeah. have you ever yeah i knew they would be have you ever been to an ivy before no i haven't i didn't think the, you would have been what's the dress code <laughs> not what you're wearing <laughs> <laughs> in fact nothing that you've got in your wardrobe to be fair uh, <laughs> oh dear oh dear okay um that don't try not to get barred if uh if that's okay <laughs> Um, uh, Darren, have you got anything, anything exciting? Any exciting plans like going to a posh restaurant like that? If you're, listening, if you're listening to this on Thursday, I will be on the kickoff with Hugh Woods and Croft in a few hours' time. Oh yes, good. All right, I'm, I'll probably go Burger King or something like that. That's the limit of my ambition <laughs> for lunch. Uh, but uh, posh boy Crook is going to the Ivy, so have a good, uh, have a good uh, bit of posh grub. You know he's definitely going to come out there going. Hmm, it wasn't exactly much on the plate, you know. Two hundred pound for that. <laughs> Outrageous. I'm going to have to go and get a kebab now. Um, right, okay, we'll see you Monday morning when you wake up reviewing all the Premier League action. Keep listening to TalkSport. We've got a fabulous game day uh, on Saturday. West Ham against Newcastle. Ian Dan's doing the commentary on that. It's Arsenal-Brentford at three on TalkSport 2. And on Saturday night at 5.30, it's Manchester City against Tottenham exclusively live. And uh, afterwards, I get to speak to Antonio Conte. So that should be explosive. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on talk sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. 